0: Welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Ann Thompson.
1: I'm Ryan Latanzio.
0: And we're going to be looking at a lot of the festival news to start. Um, first of all, there were some big sales that were announced over the past couple of days. The most uh, notorious one uh, $20 million reported sale to Netflix of Hitman, Richard Linklater's new movie, which I have regretfully not seen. It's coming up in New York, and I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to see it there, regretfully.
1: I have not seen it either, because when I was in Venice, I had a choice between seeing Hitman or Priscilla, and it was like two nights before I was (laughs) leaving. It was very difficult. I, I um, waffled throughout the day and I ended up going with Priscilla. Um, but I'm very excited about this one, especially because it looks to be sort of the star making vehicle for Glenn Powell. How much a star making vehicle a movie can be when it's a Netflix movie. That remains a question. But I understand that they are planning a theatrical berth for this one. Just a question it of why
0: not. Year. It may not be this year, though. Right. I understand it. I think it may be next year uh, because they have so much. They, they picked up American Symphony also, which played really well at Telluride. Uh, this was the Jean Baptiste documentary that Matthew Heineman, who's usually uh, putting himself in terrible danger. Um, it, it, this was a relief for him. But in a way, he uh, he embraced a much more challenging story, the story of the illness of Jean Baptiste's wife.
1: And they also picked up for 20 million the um, Anna Kendrick directorial debut Woman of the Hour, which um, seems like they probably are not going to release that one this year either. Because, you know, like you said, they certainly have their hands full they with a the number end. of awards titles that they're going to start rolling out, including they have several in New York Film Festival that we'll you know dig into later.
0: Yeah, no, they're there. And, and then the movie that they were supposed to make, Ava DuVernay's uh, Origin, um, was was made was was picked up out of Venice uh, by neon. Um so neon has made some big acquisitions. also before the festival, they picked up Ferrari, which is the closing night movie of the New York Film Festival. So neon has been active. I can't wait to see this because the reviews are all over the place. they're 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 so divergent that I can't figure it out until I see it.
1: Same. And and in fact, it, it played at Venice the day that I left. So I wasn't able to see it. And, you know, the European critics that I talked to, some of them really excoriated it. It was it had a shaky reception from uh, Europeans. But ever since, it does seem like there is a warmer welcome to it uh, from American uh, press.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. So some of the other titles that have gotten um, picked up the, the whole back to Hitman, the whole Glenn Powell thing when you when you know there was this all of this press around top gun maverick right where he somehow settled for a supporting role like he was supposed to be a movie star like from the get-go and there's a there's a part of that um myth-making that i resist i find it uh, uh i find it actually offensive like let us tell you if you're a movie star
1: that's right that's right and and you know he also. This is a bit extracurricular, but he also certainly drummed up a lot of press for his alleged relationship with Sydney Sweeney, which, you know, I think has only served uh, in the fervor and the excitement around what kind of an actor, what kind of a, you know, public persona he's going to be. And so I, I can certainly see Hitman being a movie that a lot of people are going to be interested in.
0: No, totally. And he also co-wrote it. And, and so, and, la- la, you know, Linklater has always been incredibly collaborative with his actors um, and that, and to good effect, obviously, um, you know, with, with the trilogy and everything. Um, all right. Then we also have um, Sing Sing, which was picked up by A24 and that's another Coleman Domingo performance, which got rave reviews in Toronto Uh, But that's also it's probably coming out in 2024, not going to come out this year. And to give Netflix a full reign to promote Coleman Domingo for Rustin.
1: And it's also it's less often we see now A24 picking up movies because they have so so many of their productions are now in-house and homegrown. And, you know, it's not it's not as often that we see them actually buying a movie out of a festival. It's true. It's true.
0: And then one of the movies that got picked up early on, which I can't wait to see uh at uh, new york is the hamaguchi evil does not exist so i'm rubbing my hands so then to, this is the director of drive my car so we're interested
1: it is a fascinating movie and it will be divisive it got the grand jury prize in venice and i'm not surprised since it was a mostly filmmaker driven jury but it is um it's a very strange eerie sort of eco tone poem that takes a very unexpected hairpin turn toward the end of it that will throw a lot of people off. It's a very interesting movie that will inspire a lot of debate, people rolling out of the theaters at New York Film Festival.
0: So in Oscar news, we uh, finally, the shoe dropped on Lily Gladstone, right? There was a lot of debate. Was she going to go supporting or lead for Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. And she gives an extraordinary performance and there's no doubt that she will be nominated. That's not the issue. The issue is which category can she win? And they, the, the people behind uh, the Apple slash Paramount uh, release basically decided that lead was the way to go. Why do you think they did that, Ryan? What's your speculation there?
1: Well, you know, part of it, I think, has to do with this press tour that's been going on since Cannes. Um, And, you know, everyone that's probably about to come to a dead stop, really, because at this after a certain point, all of these, you know, backlogged interviews with the cast. I mean, that's what
0: you're saying. Let's clear that up a little bit is, is that there were there was a lot of press opportunity at Cannes. And so what's going on now is that a lot of those interviews are rolling out. Uh, in, in ahead of the release, so it looks right. like there's press for That's the movie. Right.
1: Um, but and and a lot of it has been about fronting, making the focus of the movie not about the FBI, not about the white men, but in fact about the Osage women, and li- with Lily Gladstone being the figurehead, the representative of this group in the movie. And so, you know, not dissimilar from how. Netflix moved Carrie Mulligan to being sort of the front runner of Maestro. I think that they really are trying to pivot this movie to be a woman-centered story. Candidly, I have not yet to see Killers. I'm I'm about to very soon. So, you know, I can certainly ask you your thoughts on this. I mean, how much is she really the a lead in this movie?
0: It, it's a three-hander. Okay. So you've got the uncle. And the nephew, played by Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio, and the uncle basically sets the nephew up to go after this woman for his reasons, for his own reasons. And it's a fascinating thing where you see a man who's in love with the woman that he marries, and yet he's doing despicable things around around her and to her at the same time that he seems to love her. And so that is the center of the movie. And she is extraordinary in it. She has an extraordinary presence. Usually an actress of who isn't already established in this situation with two big movie stars would be the supporting actress. That's why many people made that assumption. I'm sure, but they're not wrong to, to give her this stature. I I think it will pay off for them.
1: It's also, it's, it's, it's earned some comparisons to the Michelle Williams of it all from the last Oscars, which I think it actually is a different scenario with that. You know, with that one, the Fablemans premiered, that was a universal title, the Fablemans premiered at TIFF. There was a lot of buzz around Michelle Williams. People's
0: Choice Award and so on. Yeah. Yes.
1: Being long overdue. She's been nominated at least five times before then, being a lock for Best Sporting Actress. But then in January, they went, they put her into lead. But I think I would argue that that was. That was right. I mean, that is a that is a lead performance in that movie.
0: That's a situation where that's what she wanted. Mm-hmm. That's what her people wanted. And that was a question of her giving herself the stature she deserved as the first person on the call sheet every day uh, on that movie. And I but it but strategically, in terms of what she couldn't have won, it was a mistake. If you see what I mean, she yeah. so she she totally um, deserves the stature. She deserved the stature of uh, stature of best actress, but it didn't pay off for her in in terms of Oscar wins. She still do, and she'll have her moment one day.
1: And this year, Lily's up against a huge group of people who pretty may big consider overdue as well. You know, Annette that Benning, obviously Carrie Mulligan, and then a veteran winner like Emma Stone. Then we have Stone Sandra.
0: is very strong in this category right now. I would say.
1: And and even I would say Kaylee Spaney from Priscilla, who won the Volpe Cup for Best Actress in Venice. And then there's some we haven't seen, you know, like Fantasia Barino in The Color Purple. There's, you know, early buzz no around question. her. Yep, and some enough. ones that, you know, we maybe forgot. You know what I mean? Like we still have Margot Robbie and Barbie to contend with. You'll have
0: Sandra Huller. That's right. Two movies. and uh, And we'll make the transition now to international feature film because she's in... We still don't know the French entry. I believe that is being announced today, the French entry. There's a short list for for the French entries. And on it is Anatomy of a Fall, which she stars in. And uh, today it was announced uh, that the UK entry, we all expected this, uh, is the zone of interest that she also stars in. So I, you know, if if the Academy could see fit to nominate Juliette Binoche or Marion Cotillard or... Any number of, uh, you know, Isabelle Loubere. I would like to think that she, uh, Sandra Huler, is is capable of getting a, a slot there. But it's competitive. There's no question. But those two movies are going to be, I think, major uh, factors in the Oscar race this year.
1: Um, and France also has the option of submitting "The Taste of Things," starring um, Juliette Binoche. But they're like they're like on
0: the short list. Yeah. I would say that that's the better choice. I'm curious to see what the committee does this time because they have to be pretty confident they have to have done their homework and done their timing that the fifty one percent is real that 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 it's in that it's in French fifty one percent because most of that movie it feels like it's in English, uh, just experiencing it. so and they the academy will do their due diligence. To make sure that it's eligible,
1: there was a flurry of these international uh, picks announced this week, um, one of which was um, representing Spain, but also representing Netflix, which was um, Juan Bayona's Society of the Snow. I don't know if you saw this one, but it was the closing no, night. Film I love at this Venice. director, I love him. Yeah, so we kind of um we we almost lost him for a minute to the world of tent poles. We needed this Jurassic world. He did
0: Jurassic. He did the Impossible, which was what sort of launched him into the world of the Hollywood people hiring him for movies like that because he can do it. This is a survival pick too, right?
1: Yeah, so this is about the um, which you will know from the I believe it's 1993 movie Alive with Ethan Hawke. It is about the Uruguayan uh, 1972 Andes flight disaster where this plane that had 45 passengers and crew, including um, 19 of whom were a, were a rugby team, uh, crashed in the Andes and suffered 72 days of exposure, cannibalism, sort of the gamut. I read the suffering. book.
0: Piers Paul Reed wrote a book, right?
1: Yes, that's right. I
0: have vivid memories of hideous... Things that happen to these people, <laughs> and including cannibalism. Mr. Yes,
1: Holmes. yes, and it is recreated in all the grisly detail you would imagine in this movie. But it 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 is, um, which Netflix has not dated yet. But I understand that there is going to be, you know, of course there will be a theatrical release plan. So you know it'll it'll be you know sometime this year. But it is very much this sort of by the numbers disaster piece kind of movie that I think actually will do really well on the streaming platform, especially for people who. Uh, have the option of perhaps watching it dubbed in English, right? So I think there's there will be like do, a they
0: all do that. So yeah. but back up, what about the Academy Awards? is this a is this an Oscar contender?
1: I mean, I think so. And I I could even see this being, you know. Being on a craft shortlist in some way. I mean, there's a very impressive special effects. Yeah, the filmmaking is really strong, and it really, um, you know, you are out there in the cold, in the mountains, in the night with these guys, and seeing it on a big screen, you definitely, you know, it is evocative of the suffering that they are going through. And so, the sound design, the editing, all of those things, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's not one that can be ignore- ignored by the craft's branch. And
0: didn't so. Michael Giacchino do the do the score?
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So we have. Um... Io Capitano, I think is the name of it. The Italian entry for Matteo Garone. So he's known, we know him. And that's that's what they picked, finally. the, the We have Fallen Leaves from Finland, which was expected for out of Cannes, which I still have to see. I'll see that in New York. Uh, that was very well received in Cannes. It's like a romantic comedy. So people really responded warmly to it as as a sort of uh, warm and cuddly movie, not
1: not not something dire and grim. Less warm and cuddly on, cuddly on the international front. There's some controversy over the Iranian submission, um, you know, and and the pick for this movie called The Night Guardian arrived around the year anniversary of the the women life freedom protest, you know, provoked by the death of this 22 year old who was held in custody for not wearing her veil properly, um, you know, So now the dissident Iranian film community is really calling on the Academy to consider another movie. I don't know what the precedent for that is. Um, You know, the 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 Academy Submission Committee in in Iran is is controlled by the government. So um,
0: they let the government decide. They they don't get into these things. Uh, The government has to make those choices, uh, whatever whatever those choices are. what was the uh, there there are a number of uh, so we're waiting for France. that's I think that's the big the big question mark uh, for today. Um, and then the the other front runners, um I I love Perfect days, the Wim Wenders movie that was submitted surprisingly by Japan, a German director um, shooting a film in Japanese in Tokyo in the public toilets. I think they're proud of their public toilets. Yeah.
1: I mean it's a very clean city. So they as they should be. (laughs) There's not even garbage cans in the streets. You know, everyone just picks up after themselves. It's
0: unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, And then, and then, uh, I think, I think. What do you think? I think the zone of interest has to be the most notoriously well-regarded movie at this stage in that category.
1: Yeah, I mean, even. even if you don't like it, it's like everybody respects it. You know what I mean? And th- there is, I mean, you there have is... something
0: to see it. Even if yes. it's a, a difficult thing to do, you have to see it. It's like yeah. 12 Years a Slave or exactly, something.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, there is, you know, there's a running joke about Holocaust movies that they sort of are like, they sort of are like, automatically a shoe in for, the, you know, awards and this kind of thing. But this is a movie that really challenges what what that sort of film looks like you know it's a little very bit different. like
0: son of saul in the sense that the filmmaker figured out a different way in yes you know it's it's a it's a very unexpected approach a behind the scenes approach that doesn't deal with what's going on in a head-on kind of way it's much more sound and atmosphere and just the 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 horror of these people living right next to auschwitz and dealing with it as if it's not there.
1: And this is one of the films also playing at New York Film Festival. Um, And I know we have, you know, we have a number of movies we're excited to see there. And you're going to be here in a couple of weeks as well for that.
0: Okay. So what are we excited about for... New York. I have been like putting my little schedule together. And because I'm coming for the second half, I'm going to be missing a lot. Hitman included. And I think I'm going to get to see Priscilla finally. So that's good. I'm curious. That's another one. Priscilla is one where I've seen so many divergent uh, responses to it that I have to see it for myself. I don't know what I'm going to think. I love some of Sofia Coppola's movies, but not all. I find her inconsistent in many ways. I
1: I am in your camp as well. And to be honest, my expectations were therefore kind of low for this one. And that sort of worked in my favor. I ended up coming out pretty much loving it. And um, I think you're going to respond well to it. It's... uh, I mean, Kaylee Spaney's performance is amazing. He is, Jacob Elordi is fantastic, doing this very different introverted, tortured, tormented kind of Elvis. There was certainly that in Austin Butler's performance, but that movie was a bit more maximalist, right? And this is right. this movie yeah. is more about internal conflict. Um, and, you know, obviously, Sofia Coppola has very much fronted it as being a movie about Priscilla, and it's not about Elvis and that's reflected in how the Elvis Presley estate has not cooperated with the production, did not give clear right. any yeah. of his music. And I'm sure that has to do with the friction between Priscilla and between Elvis, you know what I mean? That's ongoing. Um, but still, I mean, I think that it sketches a really fascinating portrait of him as well. It really is not only about priscilla in this
0: lord he's having a good year he's also very good in saltburn whatever you think of saltburn the actors in it are very good and he's one of them he he carries his role really well so you love the beast i'm gonna have to i'm gonna definitely see that the yes. set i want to see too
1: yeah the, no i that I, one. I i felt um no, I felt remiss because last week I didn't talk about The Beast as one of my favorite movies out of Venice. And this is one, if you are headed to the New York Film Festival, you absolutely have to see if you are intrigued by a challenge. Um, it's still accessible, though. It is. Um, it's directed by Bertrand Bonello, who did um, House of Tolerance, the Saint Laurent biopic. That was a French Oscar submission almost 10 years ago. And it's um, a love story that's set um, In 1910, Belle Epoque Paris, then in a sort of recognizable 2014 L.A., and then a not so distant future in 2044 that's sort of post-pandemic, post-social media in some ways. And it is following Leia Seydoux and George McKay, who actually was supposed to be Gaspard O'Leal, but they had to recast. um... Is he
0: speaking French?
1: he does speak french and he did not speak french before this movie and so he learned quite a bit of french in order to play He's this a very
0: talented guy i like him
1: yeah. um and in this movie he plays a uh, well i don't want to spoil it but he plays a certain recognizable american figure who made a lot of headlines almost 10 years ago uh, that you will be very surprised to see this person that he is playing because they are each sort of playing reincarnated versions, but slightly different versions of each other throughout these time periods. But the constant that totally they are
0: confused. sort of
1: star-crossed lovers. <laughs> yes, you should be confused. It will kind of coalesce and make sense once you do see it.
0: <laughs> and then I'm going to catch up with La Chimera, which is Alice Rohrwalker, an uh, Italian film. I can't wait to see, but it's in English.
1: So. That's right. And with Josh O'Connor.
0: We like Josh O'Connor.
1: We do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really excited about at NYFF. I don't know if you saw it at Cannes or not, because it played at the very end of Cannes. I wasn't there. It's the Catherine Brea film Last Summer, which is about it?
0: Like a... stuff. I still haven't seen that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, we You're know who, who he is. she is. She pushes yeah. the envelope. I mean, here's yes. someone that... Asia Argento from a hospital bed was inscribing awful things about her into a notepad. So she clearly torments her actors to a degree. But this is about a stepmother-stepson relationship. Um, That's actually a remake of a Danish movie, I believe. Um, so, of course, you know, anyone who knows me knows I'll be excited about that one. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> The quirky and uh, depraved taste of Ryan LaFontzio um well that's really that so all right now we're gonna do Wes Anderson uh, so I got to see finally uh and we've all seen asteroid City so we, we love I love asteroid City I don't know where were you on asteroid City
1: I felt a bit alienated by asteroid City I mean it is the apotheosis of all of his recent tendencies and if you kind of if you aren't on that train it is leaving the station without you and I am not a You know, I am not a slavish, huge Wes Anderson fan, more of an admirer. Um, It was hard to feel warm toward, though. I think Scarlett Johansson brought something very interesting and very different as this sort of wounded, like hill popping actress. Where, Where did you land on that one?
0: Oh no, I, I was very taken with it, very taken. And, and I also thought that he the actors brought a good deal of humanity to it in this case. And that whole thing with Jason Schwartzman and the different frames, the different characters in different universes, these different meta universes that were colliding, was so fascinating to me. I just was never sure where I was standing or where I, I was looking. And it kept me totally riveted to the screen. So well, that, that bit where the two little houses are next to each other and Jason and and Scarlett are communing through the windows is just delicious.
1: Yes. No, that whole segment would be like a great short story to, on its own. You know, well, I mean,
0: speaking of which. So he likes to do short stories. He likes to do these omnibus films, which are difficult. They're difficult to relate to. If, if you, you know, the the French Dispatch was 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 an issue. You know, you couldn't quite glom on to a story. So now he's just doing short stories and Netflix is allowing him to do it. He's, he's in, in love with the Royal doll estate. And he had put in a bid after he did the, the fabulous Mr. Fox. Is that the right title? Did I get that right? Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox. You see? Yeah. And back in the day he wanted, he put in a bid for with the estate to, to do the wonderful Henry sugar, the story the story of the, and, and he finally did it. And it's the longest of about four shorts that he's doing. And Netflix is releasing them on, this, on their platform one day after the other, I believe starting September 26th or something. And and uh, we didn't get to see the other ones, but they screened Henry Sugar for us with Benedict Cumberbatch and Ben Kingsley and and Ray Fines. And it's delicious. And I think what's great about it is that it allows him to push even further aesthetically there's no demands for him to go please an audience in a theater uh, and and make them come and give them pleasure he can do whatever he wants in this in this context and he plays with it
1: i mean yeah it certainly is um Wes Anderson had his most fetishistic in the sense that we get, we have the rear screen projection, we have the dioramas, we have the nested narration, but it's all in this short film package that I think if you're not, if you're not down with the Wes Anderson aesthetic, you'll be into this movie because it is.
0: Well, it takes the, it takes the Asteroid City concept even further where you're just pulling away uh, as if you were in the theater Uh, you're pulling away sets and you're pulling away drops behind things and pulling them up and moving through doors. And, you know, you're just, uh, he's having so much fun with it and it's unexpected. You don't know what he's going to do. You don't know, you know, and the actors pull it, pull it off. It it's arch. It has this, this constant, like reading the narration as it's happening, which you could be annoyed by.
1: That's right. That's right. Everything sort of unfolds in quotation marks. Right. But it's like that is, you know, it's not unexpected from this particular filmmaker. You know, there was some chatter online recently about an interview he gave where he said he doesn't have an aesthetic. And a lot of people were sort of confounded by that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Which I, I understand a little bit what he's saying, because his aesthetic is mutable in the sense that it's like, I mean, and of course, you would want this to be the tra- trajectory of any filmmaker, but you look at something like Bottle Rocket and then you look at Henry Sugar. These are totally different movies. And, you know, it's like each one sort of informs the style of the next one that sort of takes what the previous movie introduced to some new extreme. And so, like you said, Henry Sugar is kind of like Asteroid City, writ even larger, but it gets smaller because it's a short film. That's,
0: that's right. So that one's about 37 minutes long. And then the other ones are much, much shorter, the, apparently. Uh, they were like 13 minutes long or something. And the other ones include uh, something called the swan. And then there's the rat catcher and then poison. So Rafe Fines is a rodent exterminator in the rat catcher. And um, poison brings back Benedict Cumberbatch and Ben Kingsley and Dev Patel, who are all in uh, Henry Sugar. And then uh, the swan brings in Rupert Friend, who's also in one of the other ones. So we shall see. And, I look forward.
1: And Michael Sarah is in one of these. And he's one of those guys where it's like, I didn't realize he wasn't even part of the Wes Anderson troupe already. You know what I mean? Like, there's some of those characters where they just fit those actors that just fit so well into that milieu. And Benedict Cumberbatch certainly is one of them too.
0: Absolutely. No, it worked perfectly well. All right. So the other thing that's going on is the the strike is continuing, obviously, but the AMPTP met on Wednesday um, for for the first time in a a few weeks. And they brought in the big guns. They brought in Iger and Zaslav and Langley. And um, who's the fourth? Who's the fourth one they brought in?
1: So Ted Sarandos,
0: thank you, Netflix. So (laughs) brought in all four of those people, and they met. They took. They they made a big deal about this. They cleared their schedules. Like, so maybe this is the most important thing they have to deal with right now. Maybe this is actually very important. Maybe it's been important for a while.
1: Well, this yeah, so they met with WGA yesterday. Apparently they're meeting again today and there are reports that there could be some sort of entente reached between the two. Who knows? I don't know. If it doesn't happen now, it's probably not going to happen this year.
0: That is something that someone planted. And I hate that idea. I hate the idea that somebody at one of the trades spoke to some mucky muck who said, if they don't make that deal, today it's going to be months before they make like take your opportunity while and i feel like that was a missed that was a bad uh moment they shouldn't have done that it 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 creates bad feeling
1: to to put fair enough fair enough i mean you know i'm cynical at heart and so of course i buy into these things
0: (laughs) no there's always there's always some motive going on there's always some move so so i am optimistic though that if, if they really are hoping to to solve this that they can close it um it doesn't have to be today <laughs> yeah, that's i i get that i get annoyed by that kind of thing but it's it should happen it should happen and once the writers are taken care of we can we can move on uh to to the to the, to actors. the actors yeah <laughs> don't forget the actors yes all right well ryan it's fun fun doing this with you uh we will we're gonna keep at it um and and
1: uh i'll see you next week sounds good see you next week
0: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about
1: anywhere